So today I want to talk about compassion. Um, actually, Forrest asked uh, if we could have um, another session on this, and I'm not sure how long ago it was that we had any um, discussion about it, but today I really want to consider how to cultivate compassion, what really evokes compassion for us, and maybe some of the nuances around how it relates to other qualities and how um, it informs our greater practice. So first, I think a, a worthwhile reflection is how compassion arises in the heart. And I'm and it's different at different times, I know for myself. And I feel like over the years there's been a development of or a sensitivity developing around compassion. And it's useful to reflect upon what has been involved in that. So for yourself, considering, you know, like what is the part that compassion plays in your life, in your practice, in the way that you interact with other people, in the way that you take in the teachings. The Buddha talked quite frequently about compassion as the reason for teaching the Dhamma. Uh, out of compassion, he practiced in a in a very strict way because he wanted to set a good example that people would remember years later. You know, he's a fully enlightened Buddha, and he's still doing the same things to practice in the forest. And you know, and he said he did it out of compassion for future generations. And also, one of his disciples, Mahakasapa. You know, he was such a um, tough, austere monk. And when he got old, the Buddha said, you know, come out of the forest, come stay here near me and, you know, be a little easier on yourself. I mean, I I know at, at age 67 here, I'm I'm in the forest. It's not all that convenient. Um, it's not roughing it either. I, I appreciated Bethany's clarification on that uh, recently because it's true we have you know what we need to be comfortable enough and yet as you age it gets harder and so you know when the buddha said this to mahakasapa he said um no i'm gonna keep up these austere practices um because I have compassion for future generations. I want I want them to remember this and to be encouraged in doing this too. So that's one aspect of compassion that we might not think about. That, you know, the way we conduct ourselves in the world and the way we interact with people, you know, if we are, um, you know, sort of, tempted to 
let things slide um, in certain ways. And I don't mean being like rigid or strict or certainly not harsh with ourselves in our practice, but sometimes we are able to go the extra mile because of someone else more than we can for ourselves and to think in terms of how even when we think people don't really see this or know this or it doesn't matter to them, we might not be, that may not be the case. People do notice um, how other people behave and act and live and that we can think in terms of the benefits if we're doing that in a good way that go beyond the immediate result. So we can do these things out of compassion. And uh, when I reflect upon, you know, what has helped compassion to grow in my own life, and one of the things certainly was the years I spent um, involved in Buddhist global relief just having that opportunity to read about the projects, you know, like as a board member, the responsibility was to take in these project proposals and read about them and understand what's happening with people and what their needs were and what these organizations who are working on the ground were able to do or what their plans were in order to try to address the problems with food insecurity. So in case you don't know, Buddhist Global Relief's mission is um, to to try to relieve chronic hunger and malnutrition. And they do it in, um, in many places around the world. So there are many different situations. And they do it through four means. It's not just providing food, which sometimes is what happens, especially in an emergency basis or for a particular group like the children in Haiti where it's been a long-term um, effort, but they need food, direct food aid. And some of these children walk five miles for that one meal a day. Um, and and that's their food source. And, um, and, and, but they did it in other ways too, through education, through ways of helping people lift up out of poverty and particularly focusing on women and girls because they are so often left behind or, or cut out deliberately from the opportunities of education. And, and then, you know, to help women develop right livelihood because they're so often drawn into, into kinds of livelihood that are really detrimental um, because they don't have other choices. And then also working with farming and sustainable agriculture and food storage that that's more sustainable. So the point is, reading these proposals, projects, learning about these populations, understanding what's happening with them, this is all a tremendous help to developing compassion. Because so much of the time, 
I mean, we we have so much media kind of in our face um, these, in, during this um, period of human history that, that a few things can happen. One is we get inured to the sensationalism of the mainstream media, and we can just kind of build up defense mechanisms to block it out, right? And there are there are good reasons to do that and even to like limit the amount of what we take in, <clears throat> but we may not be hearing the, the, the more detailed and realistic versions of what's really going on for people. So by, by being, um, sensitive and aware and knowledgeable about different people's or different living beings situations, we can, you know, develop more compassion. And and compassion also develops, I think, because when we put action, when uh, when we put our compassion and our wish for other beings suffering to end, we put that more into action. It helps our compassion also to continue to grow. And when we, when the Buddha talked about compassion as, you know, the, the karuna, which is the Brahma-vihara of compassion, um, he always talked about having compassion for others and for ourselves. Never left out ourselves. Uh, because this is equally important. And sometimes we find that the hardest part. And we feel, or we may have been conditioned to believe that if we beat ourselves up about the things that we've um, not done as well as we would have hoped, we're going to somehow get better. But it doesn't really work so well. What works a lot better is to learn from the past and learn from what we do and have compassion for ourselves around you know, the situations that we're in or the amount of, you know, knowledge we have at the time, it doesn't mean that we just kind of say, oh, it's all all right. Because wisdom also has to be be um, fully engaged um, and present in relation to compassion. So that when we, when we, look at our own behaviors ourselves we see clearly and we understand what's wholesome and unwholesome through our wisdom faculty and when we look at how we might help other living beings we also use wisdom what's a what's a a, a really um effective way to be helpful how can we um how can we do this in a way that makes a difference and not just um, some kind of idealistic kind of approach or attitude, but something that's very grounded um, and honest. I read something this week that really evoked compassion for me. And I, as I said, it's, it's different at different times, and I'm sure different for different people 
But this, I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, um, program it's a the um, you know one of the things that's been going on of course everyone knows is people trying to get vaccinated um, for COVID and a man named um, Makesh was trying to get um, appointments for his parents to get vaccinated this was a at least a couple of months ago, I think. And he found it incredibly hard because I don't know if you had this experience, but here in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's been a very high demand for vaccine and um, a real shortage uh, over the past couple of months. And it's been a little hard getting um the vaccination process rolling, and he had the experience, which I had too, of you go to um, a site, uh, whether it's a pharmacy or it's your healthcare provider's network or whatever, and they give uh, COVID vaccinations, but then you get online and you fill out this form, like three pages of stuff to answer to find out that they don't have any vaccine or appointments. And so he went through this uh, numerous times for his parents to try to find a place where he could take them to get vaccinated. And he decided, like, I- I'm going to write a program <laughs> that goes to these different sites and gathers the ma- data of how many uh, shots they have available. And I'll put that up on this channel, creating a channel on um, Telegraph which I knew nothing about Telegraph before um, someone told me about this. This um, I don't. I guess it's an app, but it's it's like this um, method for posting where shots are available. And so there, uh, it would. This program would go out once an hour and collect information from like twenty different sites or I guess maybe more by the time um, now there are 200 vaccine locations in the Bay Area that get polled and also a very, very increased rate of when they get polled electronically and the information gets posted like, oh, these are the Safeway locations that have vaccines and this is how much they have is often included and then when you get on the site, you can pick that location and you, you can actually get a, an appointment. So this is what what um, Makesh was doing. And I saw a little interview with him. Uh, and he has been doing this just um, out of the goodness of his heart. So he, he created this thing so that other people wouldn't have to go through the same um, challenges he did. Uh, getting vaccinations for his parents, and um, he's not, you know, he. Well, of course, from our perspective, knowing the Dhamma, knowing how Kama works, we know he's getting benefit. But from the worldly perspective, he's not um, being paid or anything for this. It's just this beautiful thing. And once in a while, he'll write a message like, "Okay, they're." 
so many people wanting so much activity on the channel that I'll update. So now that the the vaccination um, announcements get updated <coughs> much more frequently, and and there are something like um, uh, twenty seven thousand subscribers. And this is just in the Bay Area. Anyway, I was touched by what he did, what he's doing. And then I just read this post that he made. Um, He said, just a gentle appeal to everyone. I've put in my personal time and resources to create this channel to help the community. But I alone can only do so much. I need your help. If this group helped you get vaccine appointments for yourself or a loved one, please consider donating to help people in India. The situation is very dire in India. As of writing this message, two people are dying in India every second, and this number is likely underreported. Over half a billion people, one and a half times of the whole U.S. population, are estimated to be fighting COVID infection at this moment. India has been a good global citizen and shared the vaccines and medical drugs with other countries when they needed it most. Now that situation, now that the situation in the USA has begun to right itself, let's return the favor and make sure not one more family misses a brother, sister, mother, father, grandparent, or a friend. It takes each one of us to make a difference for all of us. Please donate to, and then he gives this link, Lokesh. He signs it. So that really... Um, brought up a lot of compassion in my heart. And of course, it's great that there's an opportunity right there to to do something important, useful, beneficial. And, you know, I just, um, I would encourage you to reflect on how compassion arises and what, um, what happens to it in, in the way that you work with it once it does? Um, what, can, what helps it to develop, to grow? And one of the things that, um, I hope you don't mind, Forrest, but one of the things Forrest mentioned to me was that compassion has a hopeful quality to it. And this is, this is an interesting reflection, too, it's like to to recognize that the compassion, the the wish, the sincere wish for the suffering of other beings to come to an end, and the suffering that we experience ourselves to come to an end, not in this way of pushing away, but just this wholesome, heartfelt desire, interest in freedom from suffering for all beings, for whatever living beings we're focused on at the moment, that there is this hopeful quality. There is also the quality of love, loving kindness involved in it. And that, you know, this, the hope I think comes because we know there's a way out of suffering. And that this was the whole point of the Buddha's noble search as we've been looking at on, you know, on right now in the Sutta study on Wednesday nights, 
the whole point of um, the explication of the Dhamma is that there is the way out of suffering. It doesn't come, you know, from relieving hunger in the world. It's not really a task that can ever be completed. But it comes from the giving, the generosity, the caring for one another. That actually contributes to um, the path, the development um, that brings us to full awakening and relief from suffering and provides an example in the world for that. It's like uh, someone just recently was visiting here said, um, he's constantly looking for wholeness, you know, in some way, um, good health, um, you know, maybe wholeness through a relationship or a meaning, meaningful work or whatever. And, and it's impossible to find wholeness in the world in samsara. But then he said, having the compassion for others, experiencing that, and compassion isn't the only quality, others as well, other wholesome spiritual qualities as well. He said that's where the wholeness is. The wholeness is in that, that fullness of the heart, knowing that there's um, Ibana, reflecting upon that, um, helping each other um, see the truth of the way things are, more clearly, um, relieving the, the sort of mundane, physical, material suffering to a degree that helps us be able to pick up the greater search, the noble search of um, freedom from, from desire. Because there does seem there does need to be a certain level of um, stability in the world, I think, for that. Like the Buddha he talked about the four requisites. It's pretty basic, you know, like for monastics, the robes that at the most basic level can come from castaway cloth that you just wash and dye and sew together alms food, whatever someone puts into your bowl. He said the most basic shelter is at the root of a tree. The most basic medicine, fermented cow's urine. You know, that. but these are requisites. Everybody needs food, clothing, shelter, medicine. If we can, if we can provide that to the degree where then the mind is free from having to just constantly focus on that basic need, then there's the opportunity to go farther. So I think the part that I want to fold into this a little bit more before ending my comments is the part that brings joy. Um, 
even though they're suffering, even though we're looking at putting attention on that suffering, with the heart full of that kind of love, care, um, compassion, what we feel, like I said, there's a there's the wholeness right in that. And what we feel is uplifting, not downpulling. If our um, sense of compassion has a sadness, a downpulling quality to it, we're just slightly missing the mark. It's, it's known as the near enemy of, of compassion. And it's, it's, um, we may find ourselves sometimes drawn into the suffering that we see or are experiencing. But then using mindfulness, using the teachings of the Dhamma, as a as a platform, as a as a, a a vantage point, you might say, for observing our own suffering and the suffering of others, that's where we find stability. And we can, you know, even going through the hardest of times, we can have um, a kind of contentment, and I would even say happiness that comes from being grounded in the Dhamma, observing, holding what's happening in context. And the context is the impermanent nature, the ongoing um, experience of dukkha in samsara that cannot be fully relieved, that the relief comes from seeing through it and and um, recognizing, um, realizing, experiencing the letting go of wanting things to be different from what they are, and letting go of the clinging and the craving, and then that happiness, that contentment, allows us to be kind, compassionate joyful about the good, the progress um, that people make, that we can make, and the equanimity to be able to be with what's happening instead of in it. So I'm going to leave the comments there. And... um, I think we can meditate for a while. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.